could have uh, sustained it. It is good to have everybody here this morning and uh, glad you came out. If you have a prayer card at this time, we're uh, able to collect those that you've uh, filled out. We'll have another chance later in the service. Also, if you uh, missed picking up a communion cup on the way in, you uh, can grab that as you'll need it, need it later. I love that we have so much going on at the moment. Uh, if you're down in the foyer, it's like the um, food shelf on this side, the school book donation on that side, the school backpack program on the, on the other side. And if we actually had a wall on this side, then uh, you know, we might, be, might have a fourth thing there. I don't know. But the cookies for college or goodies for college goods, kids, right? So uh, a lot of ways to give, a lot of ways to, to share our love. A lot of ways to, to share kindness. And I appreciate everybody that is in, engaged in that and involved. And, uh, um, you know, I, I say it often, I, I hope that, you know, as leaders, we can come up with all sorts of, of programs and wonderful ideas and we can announce them and post them and publicize them. And if, uh, if nobody, you know, does anything, <laughs> we end up with empty boxes and blank sign-up forms. And so... Uh, we, we definitely appreciate everybody that uh, contributes to, to all of those. have some other good news this morning, and Susanna, if you wouldn't mind just uh, coming up and joining me for a moment. Um, every, every so often, we, we have the opportunity to uh, uh, welcome new, new families to uh, the Lawson Road family. And uh, uh, so we are, are glad uh, many of you have got to know Susanna um, Ashambo. Uh, uh, over the past uh, few few weeks or months, and uh, uh, I'm not going to tell you the circuitous route that uh, Susanna took to get here, and Daniela, <laughs> so uh, glad to have you both here. Um, it, it involves Canada, Alaska, Europe, like, uh, anyway, so uh, have that conversation with her, get to, get to know the, the family, and, uh, and we want to just welcome you here at Lawson Road, and looking forward to, to that, so thank you. You can be seated. I always take a moment just to explain why we do it like this, and it, uh, it relates to the Lord's Supper that we'll have uh, a little later. It's, it, it allows us to come around God's table um, as a family, and to, to, because there is a, a horizontal dimension to the Lord's table, that is something we do together. Even if we're at home, we're doing it together. Amen. And so we, uh, as we welcome new members to our Lawson Road family, it just gives us a sense of who we're sharing our Lord's table with. And Amen. so uh, that, that's why we, we do it like this. I will also say, Nate, good to see you this week. You gave us a fright last week, which is probably nothing to the fright you had. Um, but uh, it's good to, good to have you back with us today. We have made it to the halfway point in our uh, progress journey through the fruit of the Spirit. Um, last week, we, although we're here in Galatians chapter 5, verses 22 and 23, 
Uh, we spent some time actually looking at a similar list of virtues in Colossians chapter 3, uh, verses 12 through 14. And so we, we find these lists of virtues fairly often in the New Testament letters. And, uh, and, and none of them are exhaustive. And, and I would suggest that even if we collated them all and made sure there was no duplication, but we, we had a, what we might say, this is a complete list of godly virtues, uh, that we might still be missing some, you know, that we can infer just from the behavior of, of Jesus or even just from our cultural values that um, what is loving in our culture might be a particular thing or, or in another culture that is not mentioned in the, uh, the New Testament. And that would be okay because it would reflect God because it was an act of love towards uh, the neighbor in that particular culture. Um, but one of the things that we find as we look at all of these descriptive words of, of, of traits that God wants us to incorporate into our life is that a lot of them actually overlap. It can be difficult to, to differentiate between them. And really, who wants to differentiate between them? Somebody lets you into traffic, okay? Do you say, oh, that was kindness. And the person in the seat next to you said, no, that really struck me as goodness. And then you have an argument over whether it was kindness or goodness, right? How is that beneficial for us? We both recognize that the person letting us into traffic did something that was godly, right? It, it, it was something that was kind, that was loving, that we appreciated regardless of what we call it, okay? So we find these overlapping terms as we work our way through. So have a look at uh, this list from last week, from Colossians 3. And you can see them on the left. But um, if we look over on the right, uh, as I was doing my reading for, the, for that sermon, there were these other words that could, could have been used. Because, and we're going to talk about this uh, probably more than you, you really want this morning, and that is the, what happens in translation. Is that, that we're coming from Greek into English. And so when, when you go to a, a Greek dictionary and you look up whatever the word is there in, in Colossians 3 for compassion, it will tell you that this word could mean compassion or it could mean merciful. You're like, well, they're not quite the same thing in English. Which one am I going to choose? And, and you can go down through that list and we can look at kindness. Now, we might think of kindness and be surprised to see generosity as an option there. Because generosity has to do with our money, doesn't it? Usually, kindness doesn't necessarily have anything to do with money. So it, it's interesting to see, oh, that word could have been translated three ways in that instance. And so we see this overlapping... Uh, uh, these overlapping choices that have to be made as we, as the translators work their way through the original languages. And so we're going to keep working our way through week 
by week looking at individual fruit of the Spirit. But we need to be aware that we're actually looking not at individual things, but at a family of ideas with fuzzy boundaries in between them. Um, And so our fruit of the Spirit today, if you've been following along, is kindness. Kindness. We have four of the fruit behind us. Love, joy, and... Okay. Four behind us. Today is kindness, and there are four still ahead of us. We'll, We'll get to those, all right? So we're, we're making progress. One of the ways I like to study a passage is to read several different translations. Because I'm not very good at reading Greek. Okay? And so because I'm not very good at reading Greek, and I'm better at reading English, I just let other people do all the hard work for me. And so... You know, you get a room full of people writing the NIV Bible. And what translation, what words do they choose to translate? And what about a group of people writing the NASB, the New American Standard Bible? 2011 version. Well, no, no, 95 version. Okay, (laughs) What, uh, what, what words do they choose to use? And then I might use a more contemporary one, the, the CEV or the ESV, Contemporary English Bible or English Standard Version. And what, what words did that group of people use, decide to use to communicate the message of the Greek? And so if I look at those three translations, and I go, oh, there's a big difference between this one and that one. Uh, I can throw the KJV in there, the King James Version. <laughs> And that can be interesting because it shows not just the difference between the 1970s and the 2000s, but it can show a difference between 1611 or or so and 2000s. How has the language changed over time? And how does that help me understand the Greek words? Because now I've got each word is translated four different ways. Now, as it turns out, with the fruit of the Spirit, there's not a lot of difference. We talked about patience and forbearance in our growth groups uh, last week. And just the, the difficulty, you can see sort of the difficulty they have there in translating that. Patience, uh, kind of NRSV, New Revised Standard Version Updated Edition is what that, that is at the top there. Okay. Um, and so patience, in my mind, sort of has to do with like just time. Okay? Sitting somewhere and waiting. Okay? Waiting for something to happen. Um, Long-suffering, on the other hand, what do we focus on with that? Do we focus on the long or the suffering? I don't know about you, but the suffering is what gets my attention, right? And, and so, and, and long is just an adjective that describes the suffering. So, how, and so, what, there's a quite a bit difference between I'm being tortured in the dungeon of a castle for the rest of my life, and I'm sitting in a waiting room, you know, at a hospital, twiddling my thumbs, just waiting for the time to pass. And so the word forbearance is an attempt to sort of merge those two together 
and, uh, and find a middle, middle ground. But obviously, the Greek word there, there's some difficulty in translating that into, into English. But the rest of them are pretty much the same. We see down there goodness and generosity um, as possibilities for that particular word there. So when we specifically come to kindness, I look up, I did look up the Greek word in my dictionary. It suggests that the definition could be helpfulness, goodness, kindness, or generosity. So generosity could be goodness or kindness. Kindness could be kindness or goodness, right? The, the two are very, very close. At this point, right, we all know what kindness is. We all know what the opposite of kindness is. We know when we experience kindness, we know when we experience cruelty or somebody being harsh to us. And so the sermon could be as simple as God wants us all to be kind. And we could go home. But I get paid for more than that. And so I want to take a little bit of extra time this morning to illustrate how these fruit of the Spirit demonstrate God's character. You see, I think what we look at the fruit of the Spirit and we say, this is all about me. This is how I'm supposed to be. This is how God wants me to be. And, and I hope that you know, there's, there's truth to that, but I hope as we go through that we're seeing because it's of the Spirit, that means it's of God. And, and I want us to view these firstly as saying these lists, this list that we're working through, is first of all a description of God. First of all, it's a description of what's important to the Holy Spirit. And because of that, then it is placed upon and within us. And so I want to take this week to spend a little time highlighting the kindness of God. It fascinates me that very often when people describe God as revealed in the Old Testament, they use words like scary, angry, judging, impatient, and distant. But when God himself provides a description of his core self, in Exodus chapter 34, verses 6, 6 and 7, he uses these words, compassionate, gracious, slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness. And these descriptions are what echo through Scripture time after time. They, they echo century after century. There is a consistency there to say, what is God like? And, and although the people will describe events that we go, that event seems harsh. That event seems um, very quick to judge. That God's people continue to praise him as compassionate, gracious, slow to anger, abounding in love and faithful. And, and so what we tend to do is we say, well, 
What do they know about it? <laughs> because when we look at those events, when we read the Old Testament, this is what we see. And those people are saying, we're living it. Let us tell you what we experience. And what we experience is that the Lord is compassionate. The Lord is gracious. The Lord is slow to anger. The Lord is abounding in love. And the Lord is faithful. Throughout the Old Testament, beginning right there in Exodus, we could probably go earlier in the, in the scripture to find similar examples. But this is who God is described as by the people who lived through those centuries. Now, one of the things that's interesting is that just as words in the New Testament converting from Greek to English have different meanings and we have word choices, Hebrew is an older language, okay. much older than Greek. And one of the things that, that happens is that with older languages, they have less words. Because human thought developed over time. And so it, it's actually, as a, as a Bible student, it, it's easier to learn Hebrew than to learn Greek. In one sense, because there are less words to learn. The downside of that is that by the time you get to English, we have a dictionary that's like this thick. How are we going to fit all of these ideas into a... Hebrew vocabulary that's like this. <laughs> so you get more meanings per word in Hebrew. It's less specific. And, and there's this wonderful word that I know I've, I've talked about before, and, uh, but I know also that not everybody was here then. Um, and so we're going to go over it again. And that is focus on the word that in this description of, of God is the word love. Um, abounding in love and faithfulness. And the Hebrew word here is hesed. Okay? Hesed. Um, it can be spelled either as with an H, H-E-S-E-D, or sometimes as hesed, with a C-H or a K-H at the beginning, because uh, Hebrew language tends to sort of spit. And so there's a at the beginning. You don't have to do that. It's perfectly acceptable in English just to call it hesed. Okay? But uh, sometimes you'll see it spelled differently, and that's, that's why. And, and this is a complex word that has a, a range of meanings that depends on the context. Let me just put up on the screen here seven of the possible meanings. There's... One, list said, one author I was reading said that there are nine meanings uh, for this word. I, I, there could be more. Okay? You sort of get the feel that it's a, a catch-all word for everything that's, that's good. Um, it depends really on the context as to how it's exactly being used. But the translation that I want us to focus on today is that hesed can be translated as kindness. Hesed can be translated as kindness. So where do we find this kindness of God in the Old Testament? People can certainly um, 
demonstrate or have hesed, but it's most common for it to be used as an attribute, a description of God as we work through Scripture. God abounds in love, says Exodus 34, because he abounds in hesed. That list doesn't even have love on there, does it? How do I miss that? So uh, that is probably the primary definition, the primary word that's used is that hesed equals love. But we could also say that he abounds in kindness, he abounds in compassion, in faithfulness, in loyalty, in patience, all from this, in mercy, all from this one word, hesed. And so given that it has so many meanings, you can imagine being a translator. And every time you come across the word hesed, you're like, here we go again. Let's go down through that list of possible meanings and which one am I going to put in there. And so it's not surprising that in different translations, different groups of people chose different words. And so sometimes we'll see the word mercy in one translation and love in another one. Or kindness in a third. For instance, the NASB, New American Standard Bible, tends to be a more literal word-for-word translation. It uses kindness in place of hesed a lot more than the New International Version does. And so when we know that an English word has hesed behind it, rather than trying to choose just one English word, I think it's best that we we keep in mind that the word is a collection of virtues, right? That there is no one word of ours that's going to explain it or or define it precisely. I I can't really tell you how to do that. You could probably get a list of all the places, you know, if you do a Google search, all the places that Hesed, there's about 240 occurrences in the Old Testament, and then get a little pencil that's, you know, colored pencil, blue or green or something, and go yellow, put a, put a mark on each of those words, and then you know, oh, that's hesed, you know, when we, when we come to it. But uh, other than that, it's, it's kind of hard to keep track of, but let's look at a couple of places in the Old Testament where the prophets, uh, the prophets speak of God's kindness. They speak of his hesed. And so we uh, come here to, firstly, to Hosea. Hosea chapter 12 and verse 6. These are, for many of us, perhaps well-known verses. And here, the prophet Hosea tells the people of Israel, return to your God. Okay? Now, I wonder if somebody said to you, you need to return to your God, what would we think of? We would think, oh, you need to get yourself into church on Sunday morning. What is it that the prophet Hosea says? You want to return to your God? Maintain kindness. You demonstrate hesed consistently and justice. And and I like to define justice as just making things right. Making things the way they're supposed to be. Um, And so we see that there in, in Hosea. This is what it means to return to God. I know some other translations, like I say, this is, these are all from the New American Standard Bible. So, it has kindness, yours may have mercy or love, you'll have something different there. In, in Micah, 
This time the question is, what does the Lord require of you? I think that's a fairly fundamental question that everybody would like to, to know the answer to. God, what is it that you require of me? Because sometimes it feels overwhelming. Right? Sometimes it feels like I can't get through a day without messing up. Right? What is it that you require of me, God? And the people of Israel are asking that. And, and just before that, there's this description of like, just over the top. Yeah, God, would you be happy if we gave you rivers of oil? Would that be enough for you? What about God, if we gave you, um, you know, thousands of sacrifices of lambs, of goats, would that make you happy? What is it? What can we do to please you, God? You always seem to be unhappy with us. What does the Lord require, says Micah? Act justly in a way that makes things right. Love kindness. Love kindness. Love chesed. And walk humbly. Justice and kindness. We go to Zechariah and here we see this is what the, the Lord Almighty said. He's telling the people how they're to behave as they come back and reestablish themselves in the land after they've been in, in Babylonian um, exile. And, and he says, you need to come back. You need to dispense true justice. Okay. You need to treat each other justly, fairly. You need to practice kindness or chesed. And you need to show compassion to one another. Kindness, mercy it might read. And isn't it easy to skip over this? Like I, I think when we say, what does God want a defining trait of his people to be? We might say holiness. Right? We, we might say obedience. We might pick out different, different things. We might say worship. And I wonder how far we'd keep going until we said kindness. God wants his people to be kind in the Old Testament for the Jewish people and I believe for us today as well. Each of these prophets spread across several centuries seeking to point the people of Israel to God to reflect God's values. God is Hesed. Now you must be Hesed. It's interesting that the pairing of kindness and justice, because the, the justice is make things right. And, and sometimes you know, we, we look at the example of Jesus in the temple and we say, you know, I can do that real well. It is natural for me to overturn tables in the name of Jesus. Amen. Right? I can bang heads together. My, my mom did that once. I had twin sisters and uh, they were just getting on her nerves. She banged their heads together. <coughs> In the name of Jesus. Because right? they were not being obedient. And, and, and so we, we can say, yeah, I can do justice. I can make things right. I can put things the way that they're supposed to be. Because I know the way that they're supposed to be. <laughs> and so what I love about these three passages, yes, God says, I want you to practice justice. Right? Oppression is wrong. 
injustice, corruption is wrong. It's not godly. It doesn't belong amongst God's people. But he says the next thing is, I want you to maintain kindness. I want you to love kindness. I want you to practice kindness or mercy or love. I want you to act justly with hesed. We're like, oh, hang on. What about those, that table turning? God, can, can, can I do that? You know, what about that rounding up all the scoundrels and throwing them into jail and, and tossing away the key? What about that? Because I'd be good at that. No, I want you to do it with kindness. With hesed. Like, well, that doesn't come naturally. I'm not even sure how to do that. Can't you think of situations where you're going, it's a lot easier just to, to you know, implement justice than it is to implement justice with kindness? <laughs> how do I do that? It's a, it's a challenge. One way that English translators have tried to capture the, the breadth of the word hesed, the meaning of hesed, is recognizing that one English word isn't enough. And so the King James translators, they did this a few times, or, or maybe not just them, but other Tyndale, other early translators, they invented new words. And so some of the words that are in our language were invented by Bible translators as they tried to capture um, terms and ideas from, from the uh, Greek translation. And um, they, they combined these two words together. And so throughout the King James Version, you'll often come across the word loving kindness. And before anyone tried to translate the New Testament, the Greek, into English, the word loving kindness wasn't in the dictionary. But the translator said, it's not love, and it's not just kindness, but maybe if we put those together, and we'll call it loving kindness. Okay? Say it quickly, like it's one thing. That's what we're talking about with this word. And so I said before, go through and get a list and highlight them, but if you see the word loving kindness in, in your King James, New King James Bible, it's almost certainly the word hesed that is underneath it. And so even loving and kindness doesn't uh, do the, the phrase, doesn't do God uh, justice, but it gives us a, a better understanding. Because one aspect uh, that it, it doesn't capture is that this loving kindness is enduring. It's not just for a moment. God's Hesed is not just, oh, I saw a dog that had a, a thorn in its paw, and so I stopped and I pulled it out, and then I went on my way. Okay? I don't know if you know this, but uh, Saturday coming up, February 17, 17 um, is Random Act of Kindness Day. Okay? Which is great. Now you know you can like plan your random act of kindness for, for Saturday. Okay? Um, and, and so 
the, the thing with random act of kindness, and they're great, they're just a way of, of showing um, God's love, showing that people appreciate it for no particular reason. Um, and the thing is, though, that we equate kindness with a moment, with an event. But when God talks about loving kindness, there's this sense in there, this to Hesed, that is about endurance. Okay? That's about you know, the, the long term. It's about commitment. And so some other phrases that I, I've seen that describe this are love that will never let you go. Okay? Covenant love. Okay? So, so like a, a marriage should be um, characterized with Hesed. Right? Covenant love. Covenant faithfulness. Because sometimes it means faithfulness, not love. Or loyal love. Okay? And so these terms, the, the loyal, the covenant that will not let you go, it has this, this enduring sense to it. That not that I showed kindness to you in a moment, although that is, is certainly part of it, but that it's a kindness that endures. And, and so what God, remember this is who God is. This is God's character. And so when we look at the fruit of the Spirit and we're saying, oh, God wants me to be kind. Well, once a year, I'll write a check to St. Jude's Children's Hospital. Okay. It's my act of kindness. Check that off my list. Um, now let me work on patience. Okay. I think I'll wait a year before I do the kindness thing again. So it's not working down through a list. What we're saying is that this is who God wants us to become. This is the character that God wants us to have. God wants this kindness, this hassle, this loving kindness to just be who we are, just as it is who he is. You see, can you imagine trying to have a relationship with someone and one day they're kind and the next day they're angry and the next day they're impatient and the next day they're patient and you're like, who is this person? Can you imagine having a relationship with a God like that? But when we know that this is who God is, that we can depend on Him, that we can rely on Him to respond out of His hesed towards us, This is how the Old Testament regards God. I'm going to share a, a five-minute video with you. I've shared from this source before. It's called The Bible Project. And uh, they do a really good job, I think, of, of just bringing out some of the implications and meanings of this word hesed. And uh, then I'll jump back up and just uh, share a couple of closing thoughts with us. If you tried to describe what God is like, it could be difficult or daunting. But when the people who wrote the Bible pondered the mystery of God, they consistently described God's character in this way. Compassionate and gracious, slow to anger, overflowing with loyal love and faithfulness. We're going to look at this fourth phrase, loyal love. It translates the Hebrew word chesed, which is hard to translate into any language because it combines the ideas of love, generosity, and enduring commitment all into one. Chesed describes an act of promise-keeping loyalty that is motivated by deep personal care. Like in the story of Ruth, Ruth is a foreigner married to an Israelite man. 
But tragically, her husband dies along with his brother and his father. All Ruth has left is her widowed mother-in-law, Naomi, who has nothing to give her. Naomi tells Ruth she should go back to her people, but instead, Ruth promises to stay by Naomi's side and take care of her. And as other people watch Ruth keep this promise over time, they call it an act of chesed. Notice that Ruth's chesed is not conditional or based on Naomi's worth. Rather, it's an expression of Ruth's character. She just is a generous and loving person who keeps her word. That's chesed. Now, Ruth's loyal love is truly inspiring, but the one who shows the most enduring chesed in the Bible is God. Like in the story about Jacob, who is a treacherous liar even to his own family. But despite that, God chooses him and repeats the promise he made to Jacob's grandfather, Abraham, that he would have a huge family through whom God would restore his blessing to the nations. And so 20 years later, when Jacob realizes how undeserving he is, he says to God, I'm not worthy of all the chesed you've shown me. And he's right. But God's chesed was never about Jacob's worth in the first place. It's a display of God's generous loyalty to his promise. God's chesed continues into the story of Jacob's descendants, the Israelites. When they're enslaved by Pharaoh in Egypt, we're told that God remembered his promise to Abraham and Jacob, so God defeats Egypt and raises up Moses to liberate the people and lead them into the promised land. And in the story, this is called an act of chesed because it was about God keeping his word. Now, on their way to the promised land, the Israelites are scared of the nations around them and they doubt that God can protect them. So the people threaten to kill Moses and appoint a new leader to take them back to Egypt. God is understandably hurt and angry, but Moses steps in and says, forgive the sin of these people because of your great chesed. Notice that Moses asked God to forgive, not because the people deserve it, but because it's consistent with God's own character. And God agrees, and he recommits himself to a people that don't want to be committed to him. In the Bible, God is loyal and loving for no other reason than it's just who God is. Of course, he wants his people to respond with chesed in return, but even when they don't, God's chesed remains. The prophet Hosea compared Israel's chesed to a morning mist. It's here one moment and gone the next. But God's chesed is enduring. Like in the celebration of Psalm 136 that opens by saying, give thanks to the Lord for he is good. And then 26 times repeats, his chesed is forever. And so, after centuries of Israel betraying their commitment to God, and after humanity's long history of violence and death, God still kept his promise in a dramatic and drastic way by becoming human and binding himself to us in the person of Jesus. And the people who followed Jesus of Nazareth said that in him they encountered the God of Israel who is full of loyal love and faithfulness. Jesus is the ultimate loyal and loving human. And in his life, death, and resurrection, God opened up a new future for all of us and for all of creation. And God did this because it's just who God is, generous, loving, and eternally loyal to his promises. And when we experience the purity and power of God's loyal love shown through Jesus, it compels us to reimagine why and how we can show chesed back to God and to the people around us. This is what it means to say that God is overflowing
Jesus is the ultimate expression or embodiment of Hesed. We see this love and kindness towards people throughout his ministry. We read earlier from John chapter 9. And we'll discuss that story a lot more in our growth groups this week. But one of the things that gets me about this story is that Jesus refuses to treat that blind man as an object lesson. The disciples see him and, and they point him out and they say, tell us about that person. Teach us something. Use him as an illustration to give us this truth, to give us this understanding of the, how the world works. Did he sin or his parents sin? What is the reason that he is blind? And, and Jesus gives them an answer, and that's not where I want to dwell today. But Jesus could have then kept walking. He could have taught his disciples, mission accomplished, they're going to go into all the world, and now let's just move on. I'm headed to Jerusalem. But Jesus, having used that man as an illustration, recognized his plight. He says that, that that's not a result of sin. And then almost as if to prove it, but I think out of kindness for that individual, out of respect for him as a person, he says, I'm now going to heal you. And he does. And the man receives his sight to such an extent the people don't recognize him. Maybe it wasn't just his sight. Maybe his vision came back. He, he got a rose in his cheeks. You know, he's, he's just so excited to actually see everything. And you think, what would be the first thing that you would want to see when your sight came back? Right? That's what he's going through. And, and he goes back home and, and some people say, oh, look, that's, that's Jim. And they're like, no, that's not Jim. Can't be Jim. Jim Jim's, Jim's blind. That was the difference that it made in his life. Because Jesus refused to just talk about him without showing love to him. Of course, Jesus displays the enduring nature of God's love and kindness as he refuses to jump down from the cross. Right? Couldn't he have said, this is too much for me? Like, I love the world, but this is taking it too far. But he endures the cross. He sees his mission through to the end. The end of his life, but also the end of death. And when we read the list of virtues in Galatians chapter 5, we need to remember that Paul is Jewish. What does that mean? It means that Paul spoke Hebrew. It means that many of the people he's writing to knew Hebrew. It means that when he talks about Hesed, he knows what he's talking about. When he talks about God, he associates Hesed with the character of God. And so when Paul comes down and says, this is the character of God that the Holy Spirit is going to give you, that you are to incorporate into your own character, even though he lists different things for us, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, I believe that behind that, when we're looking at some of those terms, they're just different ways of saying Hesed. So we can't sort of make our list and go, oh yeah, I've got to become more kind in order to show the fruit of the Spirit. What we say is I need to become more hesed because that's who God is. And as a child of God, that's who I want to be. Loving, kind, generous, good, patient, reliable, enduring. It's not limited. Kindness is not limited to smiling 
kindly at the cashier in the grocery store. It means treating all people respectfully. It means seeing our commitments through for the benefit of others. It means representing God and his chesed to the world around us. I want to leave you today with two quotes. The first is from the video. God forgives. Not because people deserve it, but because it's consistent with God's character, his chesed. And then from Micah chapter 6, verse 8. He's shown you, O Lawson Road, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you? To act justly, to love kindness and mercy and loving kindness, to love chesed and to walk humbly with your God.